I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland, and every month I share a story. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. This time, even though I said it was going to be another story, oh, a couple months ago, it's a story about a 100-year-old versus the oldest man in the world. I'll explain more at the end. All right, let's get to work. A race to the end. Prologue. William Sherman died on his birthday. He was 123 years old to the day. He lived 201 days longer than Jean-Louis Calmont of France, who only made it to 122 years, 164 days. Before William Sherman came along, Madame Clermont held the world record for the oldest human, at least that could be fully verified by the Guinness Book of World Records. His record won't last long, though. In two days, Toby Hampton turns 123 years old, unless William's 100-year-old son, Bill Jr., can stop him. Bill Jr. never got things right. He was the classic case of a little boy trying to impress a father who expected too much from his son. The only admirable thing Bill Jr. ever did in his father's eyes was joining the army, but he served between world wars, never having the chance to prove himself on the battlefield or in his father's eyes. Being a soldier wasn't enough, and with each attempt at pleasing his father came failure. Failed relationships, failed business ventures, and failed dreams. If he couldn't make his father proud while Bill Sr. was alive, he planned to make him proud posthumously, doing everything in his power to prevent Toby Hampton from breaking his father's record. Bill Jr. had spent the previous week and a half tracking Toby Hampton's schedule and plotting his demise. It had to appear like an accident, which wouldn't be too hard, Bill Jr. thought. After all, the man he was trying to kill was a good 20-something years beyond what most people would consider a very long life. A slip-up, though, could result in a trip to prison at 100 years old for Bill Jr. For a moment, he entertained the thought. If he attacked Toby front-on, not only would he preserve Bill Sr.'s record, but he could set a record of his own, the oldest person ever given a life sentence. At his age, a life sentence didn't carry the weight it would carry if he were only 20 with his whole life before him. He'd heard stories about what went on behind bars, however, and wanted nothing to do with that, thank you very much. He'd stick to his plan and take Toby out quietly. 
the way Bill Jr. figured things, he had two, maybe three chances to stop Toby Hampton from making it beyond 123 years old. Each morning, Toby walked five blocks, even in the dead of winter, to have breakfast at his favorite greasy spoon, Lou's. Lou served home cooking. Plates piled high with all the things we weren't supposed to eat. Sausages, slippery eggs, salty hash browns, and strong coffee with cream. When Toby turned 100, a local news crew visited him and asked him what he attributed his longevity to. He told them, My morning walk to lose and eating greasy food that slides right through me. Best as I can figure things, the walk counteracts the grease and keeps things balanced. It was the kind of soundbite Americans love, an old man serving as living proof that regularly consuming salt, grease, and caffeine is not only feasible, but may even be advantageous to one's longevity. Who were nutritionists to argue? Here was a man who lived to be 100. While the food Lou served up seemed to do no damage to Toby, Bill Jr. had a plan he hoped would. Bill Jr.'s second shot at Toby would come at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after the Andy Griffith show reruns. When the show was over, Toby opened his front door and shuffled down his front walk to check the mail. You could set your clock by it. When Toby turned 110 years old, a regional news crew visited and showed him getting his mail, then sitting at his desk, paying bills, and writing letters to his great-great-great-grandchildren. He attributed his longevity to still doing things for himself. Cooking, cleaning, paying bills. No help from anybody. When Toby Hampton turned 120 years old and a national news crew visited his home and asked him what his secret to living long was, he didn't resort to any old standbys. This time, he threw down the glove and said, There's a fella named William Sherman, lived to be 123 years old. If it's the last thing I do, which I'm sure it will be at my age, I plan to live longer than that son of a bitch. Bill Jr. was 97 when he saw that clip at the end of a newscast. It was the human interest story running after all the important things. Weather, sports, and a list of who killed whom that day. Bill Jr. vowed that if Toby Hampton was going to live longer than his father, he'd cut Toby's time short. Success would come in the form of a new news story. The death of the man who was almost the oldest man to ever live. The following day, when Toby Hampton opened his front door to get the mail, there was more than just the copy of the Star Tribune on his welcome mat. A set of dentures with a note sandwiched between the top plate and the bottom was next to the headline, Minneapolis Man Set to Break World Record for Age, on the front of the paper. The paper had been running a countdown of days to Toby's run at the record. The note between Bill Jr.'s manufactured teeth simply read, I'm coming for you, Pops. 
Later that morning, Bill Jr. waited in the cold and watched Toby enter his favorite restaurant. His first attempt at taking out Toby was a throwback to the days of his childhood, and he hoped one try would be all that it would take. He shivered and shook watching Toby eat a plate of eggs, bacon, and toast, and washing it all down with a large glass of milk and several cups of coffee. People patted Toby on the back as Bill Jr. froze outside, but if that's what it took to make his father proud, that's what he'd do. Once his right foot stopped tingling from the cold and finally went numb, it was easy to forget just how much it was bothering him. Toby finally left about the time Bill Jr.'s other foot went numb, but that didn't stop him from leaping out from behind an elm tree and shouting, Roar! as he hurled a snowball Toby's direction, missing him by yards. The old jump scare. It made Teddy Miller, the school fat kid, grab his chest in terror when Bill Jr. was eight years old. He figured at Toby's age, the chest clutch would be real, and he'd soon be witnessing a cardiac arrest that would make his father proud. Bill Jr. would act sorry, issuing a formal apology to Toby's family and saying that he was just having fun. Instead of grabbing his chest, however, Toby said, Why, hello there, young man. Fine morning, isn't it? Bit cold, but that puts some life into your blood. Then he continued on his way. It was time for Plan B. That afternoon, midway through the Andy Griffith show, Bill Jr. filled a gallon milk jug with water and made his way over to Toby's. One of the kids in the neighborhood shoveled Toby's walks and made sure that all the slick parts were clear of ice with a hearty helping of fine grind rock salt. It hadn't snowed in days, and the walkways were all dry. The perfect environment for Bill Jr.'s simple plan. He poured the gallon of water right below the stoop, watching it roll down the front walk for several yards. It didn't take long before it froze. Then Bill Jr. found a good spot to watch from a clump of small pine trees beside Toby's neighbor's house. In a few moments, Toby Hampton would step off the stoop, slip, and hit the base of his skull on the step. It was ingenious. It happened all the time in cold climbs. Nobody would question a thing. Bill Jr. kept an eye on his watch. The Andy Griffith show was over, and just like a cuckoo bird leaving its clock, Toby opened the front door and stepped off the stoop. His right foot slid out in front of him, but the amazingly agile geriatric caught himself with his left foot and slid several feet on the ice. From the pine trees, Bill could have sworn he heard Toby shout, as he slid across the ice and found stable footing on dry pavement. Toby gathered his mail, made his way up the sidewalk, and then navigated a knee-deep snowdrift, avoiding the ice slick, to his dry stoop. Like all other times in Bill Jr.'s life, he had lost the battle, but he was still determined to win the war. (music) 
The following day, Toby Hampton's house was packed with relatives, news crews, and representatives from the Guinness Book of World Records. They were all there to celebrate the birthday of the oldest man to ever live. Crowds gathered in the street in front of the house, wanting to be part of the festivities and maybe wander into the background of a field reporter's spot and make a funny face. In the dead of a Minnesota winter, it was something to do at least. Bill Jr. was decked out in his Sunday best, a cheap suit from a second-hand store. Still, he wore it well and could sell the look. He strode up to the media line in Toby's yard and made his way up the walkway. At the front door, he was stopped by a man he hoped wasn't a relative of Toby Hampton's. The man said, Are you with the family? It sounded like something said at a funeral, which was exactly what Bill Jr. was hoping to cause. In 15 minutes, Toby Hampton would beat his father's record, unless Bill Jr. could stop it. Yes, I am, Bill Jr. said. Then he corrected himself, fearing they might try to verify that information. Well, I'm a friend of the family. Mr. Hampton was there 100 years ago on the day I was born. He was great friends with my father. I've known him all my life. He's like an uncle to me. The man opened the door, and Bill Jr. stepped inside. Bill Jr. had a lifetime of perfecting the part of a wallflower, nodding courteously to people who seemed to notice him, but with so many old people in one place, Bill Jr. was just another geezer in the crowd. He slowly worked his way past cameramen and reporters. Ten minutes to go. The focus seemed fixed on a dining room Bill Jr. couldn't see from where he stood. He heard the clatter of silverware and plates, though, and he looked around for another way through. The kitchen. Five minutes to go. From a far door in the kitchen, which seemed to be serving as a makeshift control room for the Today Show, he saw Toby Hampton smiling and telling stories in the dining room. Toby sat at the head of a large table, overlooking a birthday cake almost as big. Bill Jr. worked his way through the kitchen, sidestepping monitors and light stands. Then he was stopped. How could they know, he thought. The light was bright in his face. He put his hands up to shield his eyes as though he were blocking out the sun. Excuse me, an attractive blonde said to him. She smelled like hairspray and breath mints. Can we speak with you a moment? What do you want? Bill Jr. said. We just want to ask you a few questions. For TV. Even though he could barely see through all the lights, he could tell that she was batting her eyelashes at him, trying to butter him up. He looked toward the dining room, knowing there wasn't much time. Can it wait? I really need to be in there right now. Worried he might be giving himself away, he added, In there with my old friend Toby, so I can wish him a happy birthday. We've known each other all our lives. That's what we want to talk with you about, the blonde said. Just a few questions about Mr. Hampton. Maybe a witty anecdote? They were lighting candles on the birthday cake. 
It was so bright it could be used to signal wayward aircraft or ships lost at sea. Bill Jr. hated being distracted. He'd come to Toby Hampton's house with a purpose, to kill him. He felt the butcher knife hidden in the breast pocket of his cheap jacket as he did his best to answer questions he didn't even hear because he was paying more attention to the old man in the other room than to the reporter wanting to know how long he'd known Toby. The countdown pulled him to the surface. Ten! Everybody shouted. Nine! Bill Jr. looked at the reporter, pulled the knife from his jacket, and said, If you'll excuse me, I'm supposed to cut the cake. Eight! Seven! Six! Bill Jr. had made it to the table. Toby was at the far end. Five! Representatives from the Guinness Book were checking their watches, Reporters stepped back so their audiences could get a better view, and a few people even noticed Bill Jr. beginning to leap across the table with the knife. Four! Bill Jr. was airborne, the knife out in front of him, ready to find its way into Toby Hampton's heart. William Sherman Sr. would be so proud of his little boy. Three! Somebody grabbed Bill Jr.'s foot. It was Toby's son, Ryan, who spent Bill Jr.'s school days always one-upping him. He could hit baseballs farther, run faster, and when they reached high school and girls became the focus, he got all the pretty ones. Two! Bill Jr. knew he wouldn't make it in time. He threw the knife with all his might. It always worked in the movies. It flipped and flopped, end over end, still on a crash course with Toby's heart. One! The knife hit Toby's chest, handle side first, and bounced harmlessly to the floor. The crowd shouted, Happy birthday! But all the cameras were fixed on Bill Jr., face down in Toby Hampton's birthday cake, in front of the entire country. Bill Jr. could almost hear his father saying, You failed again, boy! in his head. Four hours later, Toby Hampton officially broke William Sherman Sr.'s record. Adding insult to injury, Bill Jr. was found guilty of assault with a deadly weapon and first-degree attempted murder. During one of his hearings, he confessed to other attempts on Toby's life, totally sealing his fate. He was sent to the Faribault Correctional Facility and was sad to hear from Guinness that he didn't even qualify as the oldest person ever to be incarcerated. Epilogue Toby Hampton died of natural causes on a Saturday. He was 123 years, 54 days old. He was entered into the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest verified human, a record that stood for 23 years, 113 days, when Bill Jr. died in his sleep in a prison cell while dreaming about breaking Toby Hampton's record and finally making his father proud. A big thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks. All music by Ergo Fizmiz and Chad Crouch, also known as Poddington Bear. 
Visit NoLumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice talent, and the music. In one month, probably, I really will share the story meant for this time, a post-apocalyptic office story. I'm working on wrapping up a readable draft of a novel right now, so that has my attention. And I have some travel coming up, so it might really be two months, so you've been warned. But the story is almost done, so I do hope to have it up in a month. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.